Welcome back to the TEFL Training Institute podcast, everyone. I'm Ross Thorburn, and this week, my guest Matt Courtois and I are talking about teacher talk. Teacher talk and language teaching, I think, is fascinating because, unlike just about any other subject out there, language is both what we want students to learn and it's how we conduct our lessons. And it just takes a second to realize how ludicrous it would be to do this in any other subject. Like you couldn't teach computer coding by telling your students what to do, giving them lines of computer code. And equally, interpretive dance teachers wouldn't tell their students what to do by giving them instructions using interpretive dance. That's what we do every day in our classes. And it means, I guess, teacher talk in language teaching is at least twice as important as it is in other subjects. So in this conversation, Matt and I start off talking about instructions how to make them effective. We look at how gestures and body language can help support meaning. We look at how teachers can elicit from students. And finally, we talk about how to make sure that no matter how simple we try to make our language, that it's still natural. Enjoy the episode. Matt Courtois, welcome back to the podcast. Always a pleasure, Ross. Always a pleasure for me too. So today we're talking about teacher talk. I feel that usually when you hear about teacher talk, people talk about teacher talk time. But today we're not going to talk about that at all. We're going to talk much more about the quality rather than the quantity of teacher talk. There's obviously so many different aspects and everything to teacher talk. But I think one of the most obvious ones is giving instructions. Instructions, I feel, are important for more than one reason in class, because obviously if you don't give clear instructions, then everything else probably that you do in class is not going to work very well because the students don't know what to do. But also instructions, I feel, especially when you're teaching kids, it's maybe the time when there's the most communication in English because students are listening to you, not just to repeat what you say afterwards, but they're actually listening so they know what to do afterwards. Yeah, it's also, when teaching kids, it's one of the largest chunks of time that, that a teacher should be talking, right? Like, Hopefully talking, not too long. Yeah, but. that's probably one of the most common pieces of feedback I give to teachers is don't explain. Show them what you expect them to do. It's so much simpler, the language that you would be using by just showing them rather than explaining the whole process. Actually... Anytime you get a new board game, like like Monopoly or Risk or whatever, it always starts off the same way with you and your friends, <laughs> where you get out this instruction book <laughs> and you look at this these 40 or 50 steps and the person is reading out every step of how to play the game. And the same thing inevit inevitably happens at the end of it, where the person reading the instructions is like, so you guys get that? Not really. Let, yeah. let, let's just do one round as a practice. Yes, everyone <laughs> always says it every time. Let's play a practice round and we'll figure it out, and then we'll play for real. The The board game is the exact same as a classroom activity, right? Where the students are sitting there listening to this long process of do step one, step two, step three. It's all jumbled up in there. I think a much more effective way is just try it out for a practice round and then stop a minute, make sure they understand it, and then go through the activity. It's like a picture is worth a thousand words and I feel like a demonstration is worth a thousand instructions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a couple of things I think that work well for that. One is that when you model something, typically there's more than one role that the teacher needs to model. 
So one nice thing I saw a teacher do once is when demonstrating a dialogue is holding up one finger on each hand with those fingers facing each other and just using her two fingers as a way of showing like this is these two people talking. And then you could also take on different voices for the two roles, that's another thing. Or you could physically move. I've seen teachers before like draw on the board like two faces Mm. and then stand next to one face and put on one voice when you're demonstrating one role and then you switch to the other side of the board and, and stand next to the other face. And I think that helps to make it salient to the students. A lot of course book materials will also come with some extras that are useful for modeling, right? Mm. So I know one school I worked at, every set of course books comes with a tiger puppet. What a great way of, instead of using your fingers and waggling your fingers, like you can be person A, and then you can be talking to the tiger puppet on your hand as person B. At another school, every teacher had finger puppets. They were able to have multiple people and on, on their fingers to show off the different roles within the conversation. Yeah, I love those ideas. I think another thing teachers do before they get on to getting the students to actually do the activity is asking some checking questions. But I feel with this, there's some checking questions that are much more valuable than others, right? Yeah, the kinds of, for instruction, checking questions, you you want short responses. So do you do A or do you do B? Are you the customer or are you the seller? But it's clarifying key points of the task and like the level of words that you're using. Like six-year-old students haven't studied words like unscramble, gap fill. To be honest, learning the word unscramble or gap fill isn't ever going to be useful for them outside of an English lesson. You don't want to spend that precious time teaching them a word like unscramble whenever like there are those content words that you do want to focus on. So I feel another thing that teachers can do, which is part of what we talked about with modeling there, is using body language to help make classroom instructions, really just anything in the classroom, a lot easier. And I think there's some almost like standard body language gestures that teachers should have and develop and maybe be conscious of using again and again with their students. I mean, just simple things like having your palms facing upwards and moving your hands up to indicate like stand up, sit down, putting your hand behind your ear to indicate time to listen or making little binoculars. Yeah, little binoculars and then putting them up to your eyes for look or maybe, you know, waving one of your hands, holding a pretend pencil for draw maybe pointing up and tapping on the side of your head for think. You almost need to teach these gestures to your students. And I think if you also say the word at the same time as you're doing the action, then gradually students will get to know the meaning of those key words as well. Yeah, I think the one that came to my mind immediately is pair up or talk to your partner, which I've always as a teacher just taken my two hands, sort of put them extended my arms and pushed my hands together, right? (laughs) Students know immediately if you do it again and again and again in class over the course of weeks and months, like, they know exactly what that means. And so, like, you don't have to go through the process of saying, like, talk to the person next to you whenever you can just simply use your Yeah, just use that gesture, right? And students will know what to do. I feel this is another thing with, especially with instructions, is that, 
usually if you repeat them enough times for, and you do similar activities in your classes, which I think is a good thing mm. uh, because students will get better at the activities the more often that you do them, that sometimes you just don't really need to give any instructions at all, right? Sometimes just like one little gesture is enough and students know, oh, we're going to do this activity that we do at the beginning of every class. I guess up until now we've been talking about students practicing language, but I feel like another big part of teacher talk is eliciting, so finding out what students already know. And this is something that's almost like the opposite of teacher talk. I think the key here is often like teacher silence. Mm. <laughs> I think a lot of teachers forget how long it takes to think of something. Yeah, I think I think we're so used to TV or podcasts. I mean, we're talking to each other quite a bit, but you do edit this conversation <laughs> to get rid of some awkward silences and everything. Like it's not real. And and like we need more time to think when we're talking and and, and in an English classroom they need even more time than us it might feel awkward and boring to us those students minds might be racing and and they're just trying to think of how does this go or what is that word and they're linking it back to the class and so like it's not even awkward for those students i also feel that when we talk about silence we're talking about outward silence what you can hear outside in the classroom but of course every student in their own head can hear themselves. Mm. So I think it's a really good idea to ask students to put up their hands whenever you've asked a question. I mean, a couple of little tips for this. One is ask the question first, get the students to put up their hands. And then once you see a lot of hands going up, then nominate someone to answer the question. Because if you do that, hopefully a lot of students have already answered the question in their own heads. Whereas if the students just shout something out, then you've kind of short-circuited the thinking process for the other students mm. in the in the room. And I feel another thing there that teachers can do is eventually get students to ask each other questions. I find very often in classes, the teacher will ask a question, picks a student, the student answers the question. But a simple way you can change that is after you've asked a question, a student's answered, you just say, ask the next question, right? Mm. And the student repeats the same question if it's very low-level students, right? Just say what I said. The student says the question again. Now pick someone to answer. And they pick someone else to answer the question. You end up with this sort of like chain going around the classroom of students asking another question, picking the next person to answer it. And it obviously gives the students a lot more language practice, gives them a bit more control over the class because they're choosing who answers the next question. And also it gives them practice asking questions, which is something that obviously is really important learning a language, right? Mm -hmm. Being able to ask questions. I think another important thing with eliciting and asking questions to the whole group is where you stand. In real life, or outside the classroom, I should say, when we're talking to someone and we can't hear them, we're going to stand close to them, right? But in the classroom, if you stand close to the student that you're talking to, they're not going to speak very loudly. And so lots of other students in the class won't be able to hear. So a tip for teachers is when you're eliciting or asking a student a question, move, especially in a big class, move as far away from that student as you can in the room. And that student will automatically raise their volume level, usually to the point where everyone can hear. And I think this is so important because you often hear teachers complain, oh, my other students don't listen in the class when, you know, they'll, they'll fidget or they'll, you know, talk to their partner. But a prerequisite for listening is actually the volume being loud enough that you can hear it. 
And what a great example of something a teacher can do to eliminate a lot of unnecessary words. A lot of times teachers in that situation will say, speak louder so everyone can hear you. Or the teacher will echo and repeat what the student said yeah, for the yeah, rest yeah, of the yeah. class. Whereas just stepping back further away, putting your hand up next to your ear and saying, like, can you say that again? It's clearer what you're trying to get to happen. And you're using fewer and simpler words in order to get that to happen. One more thing that I think we haven't talked about, because a lot of this has been about the words that we use. But I also wanted to talk about how we use them. One thing I saw recently was a teacher taking in a microphone and a speaker mm. to class. And I thought, if you're having trouble being heard by your students, don't speak louder. Speak more quietly. Mm. I definitely had that experience as a student when I was very young. I can remember uh, a lot of my classmates were very noisy. And a lot of times what the teacher would do is she would talk very softly and then we all had to then in turn quiet down to hear her it was quite effective everyone quieted down and then they're listening more closely and it's got to be better for your own voice as well right so i feel that's one thing speaking quietly but i also have noticed some teachers speaking in a way that's unnatural you can you see my mm. cat can mm. you see You've got to speak in a way that's slow and understandable, but while still sounding natural. Yeah. Not to analyze the language too much, but I think if you can find the key words in your sentences that carry the most meaning, and you really punch those words in terms of like stressing them more, making them a little bit louder, a little bit longer maybe pausing a little bit afterwards. Maybe adding a gesture to go along with that mm. word as well. And so that's the, the best thing you can do. And it sounds natural when you're doing it. We, we, we've been talking about the teacher as somebody who's modeling the language. And the fact is, you're modeling the language the whole time. It's not like, here I'm giving instructions and here I'm modeling what I expect you to do. You're always the model of English as the teacher. So... When you're giving instructions, it should sound natural also. One more time, everyone. That was Matt Courtois. If you enjoyed the conversation, you might also enjoy my book, Inside Online Language Teaching, Conversations About the Future Which Became the Present. It's now available on Amazon. And you can also find a link to that at our website www.tefeltraininginstitute.com. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Goodbye.